It's Wednesday, December 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Fool.com, Mark Reese. Happy Wednesday, gentlemen. Hey, the best hey. day. It is a, you know what? It is a happy Wednesday uh, because we got the news here at the Motley Fool. Glassdoor, a company we reference from time to time, came out with their annual list of the best companies to work at in America. Mm-hmm. And Google, number one for large companies. Mm-hmm. And in the small and medium companies, Motley Fool, number one for the second year in a row. So I'm not surprised. No, not at all. Seems about right. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, it's it's very gratifying. And uh, for me, the best part is the video that Glassdoor put together. Uh, is is just a wonderfully produced video, and we've t- we've tweeted it out on the on the Motley Fool's Twitter feed. Uh, but for me, the best part is the screen capture. You know, when you go to a YouTube video and there's a screen cap right at the top. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of fools in our workout room, and right there in the middle, on an exercise bike, Mark Reith. <laughs> no big deal. So, <laughs> he had to pay me a lot to get that, on that exercise that, bike. That I don't know if my... you noticed from the board shorts that I was wearing, the, the orange and blue board shorts. I was not prepared for that. I tried not to focus on those. <laughs> I'm for the best. Uh, let's talk retail. We'll talk food stocks. Let's start with retail, though. Costco, latest quarterly report. Boy, talk about the... The train that just keeps on chugging down the track. First quarter profits up 17%, and their same store sales up 7%. I don't know, Jason. They're just. Why, so I, why didn't I buy this stock 15 years ago? I why? volunteered on Twitter earlier today. They should actually change their ticker to TCOB because they just are taking care of business every uh, single quarter. You uh, like that, don't you, Reese? It's pretty bad, I know. But, I mean, that's really that's, that's the, the overarching story with this company. I mean, it, it's not exciting to talk about. It's, it's not some business that's out there. You know, changing our lives on a daily basis with the technology it's it's implementing. It's it's a boring retail business, yeah. But I mean, it is just unbelievable how well this company does quarter in and quarter out. And you know, we talk about uh, leadership changes a lot and and the threat that comes with that because it's it's not always a given. And when when Jim Senegal, co-founder and CEO, decided to step down from the CEO role, uh, it, it was January. First, 2012, when Craig Jelinek, the COO, took over, and that, along with a, a price increase that was coming with membership fees, we we were looking at this company under a microscope, thinking, okay, they, they really need to show us something special here because there there are a lot of bad things that could happen. Yeah, yesterday, Bill Barker and I talked about Mike Jeffries finally leaving Abercrombie and Fitch, and uh, discussed. Bill Barker, one of his secrets to life is have an easy act to follow. So whoever's the next CEO at Abercrombie and Fitch, very easy act to follow. Mm. Craig Jelinek stepping in after three decades of Jim Senegal's amazing leadership, maybe the toughest act to follow. Certainly one of the toughest acts to follow in public companies in the last twenty years. I mean, you're not kidding. That's that is. I mean, that's that's. Think about who's going to fill Warren Buffett's shoes, right? <laughs> We're not even sure it's going to be able to be one person. I mean, they're going to probably have an arsenal of people to really get in there and fill his shoes because he's he's done so much and does so much. But uh, you're you're exactly right. I mean, Jim Senegal is just he was a very very difficult act to follow, and and. Craig Jelinek, thus far, has really uh, just done a wonderful job. Shareholders have certainly won uh, under his tenure. Shares are up around 70%. Uh, 
uh, beating the market by about 30 percentage points. And there's no reason to think this can't continue. And I I think the reason, like you figure, what are they doing right? And it's all just been the same. I mean, they're adhering to their principles. They're adhering to that tried and and tested strategy of of putting the customer first, giving them a wide selection, and keeping prices as low as possible. And and it's it's really just that simple. So they they operate obviously on a very thin margin uh, structure in retail. But but the thing you have to love about Costco, and and I think this is you know similar to something like Amazon, is that membership model. They have over time, proven their worth, their value. It's a compelling uh, membership model that they they can they can raise prices every once in a while just a little bit uh, and, and not lose members. They've proven that with the recent price increase. And and you know Amazon Prime I think does the same thing. They they charge just that nominal annual fee to to let you in their doors as much as you want to you know go in there and and. People just see no reason to to never renew. I mean, it just becomes a cost of living, and and people are more than happy to pay it. The numbers bear that out. And Mark, we were talking earlier today. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised by this quarter because you look at Target's most recent quarter and Walmart's most recent quarter. For those businesses, they were pretty solid results heading into the holiday season. So this this probably shouldn't be a surprise. No, not really. I think I think everyone in retail is probably. Having having a good couple of quarters right now, especially look at look at gasoline prices so low. People are going to the stores more often, but again, that's one way that Costco excels. Costco is one of the biggest gas you know, sellers in the United States. They've got gas stations at a lot of their stores, and so those members will come and buy their gas for cheaper. And hey, you have extra money to spend over in Costco. It, it's synergy. Keep on mentioning synergy, and I love it. And Costco is just owning that. Yeah, so I, I can't remember who it was, but someone was joking on Twitter this morning. I I. Need Needed some chicken, so I went to Costco and ended up spending five hundred dollars. Well, but that's what happens too, right? I mean, it's uh, I mean those places they they have everything, and, and then I mean I think when you when you couple that with the fact that they're even pursuing that direct to consumer model where they they have e commerce making up a bigger portion of their business as time goes on, it's still a relatively small part of their business, but but it's there. It happens. They use it. Um, yeah, you go there for one thing and you walk out with about 50 others. One last thing before we move on. You look at the stock. It's up this morning. It's hitting yet another all-time high. This is not a cheap stock. <laughs> this is uh, just uh, from a basic PE standpoint. It's nearly 30. This is, is it, from that metric, it's basically twice the expense of Target, but it kind of seems like, you know what? Worth it. You're paying for quality. <laughs> worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I, I can remember uh, back around $100, we were we were discussing this uh, on, on the investing team, just talking about it in, in the context of Stock Advisor. It's a recommendation in Stock Advisor for many, many years. And, you know, valuation is sort of a tricky thing. There's it, a little bit of perspective there. It's certainly not uh, you know, totally objective. I mean, it's, it's subject to opinion. Uh, in perspective, and I, and I think that with Costco, you you hit the nail on head on the head there. It's 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 a quality thing. I mean, you're getting a an extremely quality business, and typically, you know, you're going to pay up for something like that. And I think that for investors who look at something like a PE ratio and say, "Well, man, that's just too expensive a stock for me to own." Typically, people are looking at that with too short of a timeline, hmm. and that's that. I think it's really that simple. If you can look at this and say, "Well, this is a business that I want to own for the next ten years," well, then it doesn't seem so expensive because really there is growth there, 
And as long as leadership keeps on message, and we have no reason to believe that they won't, I think that Jelinek will be there for some time to come. This is a company that you're going to want in your portfolio for, I mean, decades, honestly. So it's, it's, I think it's almost perpetually worth a look. Third quarter profits for Krispy Kreme donuts up 20%. It just wasn't enough, Mark. <laughs> Shares of Krispy Kreme down more than 6% this morning. They also missed on revenue, too. Right. Uh, you know, revenue, they missed on estimates. They didn't do too badly. So last year, revenue, same quarter last year, revenue increased 6.7%. This quarter, it was uh, 7.6%. The, the thing I'm interested about with the revenue is how are they still selling basically pure sugar covered in more sugar <laughs> as people are going to Whole Foods and becoming healthier with their eating habits? How in the heck is Krispy Kreme still pulling this off? And I got to say, I think the CEO, Tony Thompson, uh, he has right there. They're marketing and the promotional materials. They're, they're spending money to make money right now. And you can see that also in their bottom line, their operating income. Again, last year, it was, it was, what, it was up 27.2% same quarter last year. This year, it's only up 9.8%. So, the, the bottom line isn't, isn't um, firing on all cylinders, uh, certainly. And, but revenue is still doing okay. I think that's a result of their, their spending money on promotional materials. They're spending money to make themselves more available. They've got deals with Keurig now. They're trying to get themselves you know, out of just their Krispy Kreme locations and into grocery stores. It could work. Again, I don't know if the trend is there, though. So, so many people, less people are buying Diet Coke and more people are buying soda streams to, to, to cash in on that health craze. I don't know about that soda stream. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, a, that's a fair point. That's a, all right, maybe not the best analogy. But you get the picture. You get the, picture. The, the stock in 2013 mm. was phenomenal. Right. Right. And this year, it's just I, I look at it. and I'm just sort of wondering. Okay, so did they just get lucky last year? Was there some sort of pent up demand? Or I had some pent up demand for Krispy Kreme. Or did absolutely. or did they come into 2014 and say, okay, the way to build on this is just to spend more money? And mm-hmm. to to your point, they're they're maybe spending a little bit too much money to get because traffic was up. So f- they're getting people through the doors. Right. But it seems like they're trying to cut so many deals that the profits just aren't there the way that they're looking to and have they're, them be. They're expanding pretty quickly as well. Uh, last quarter, they opened 27 stores. Uh, they're going to keep on increasing that. They're trying to get to 115 this year. They're almost there, actually. So, again, just, just expansion, promotion. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I worry about Krispy Kreme, not just because uh, the bottom line isn't there like it was last quarter. I also worry because you look at the Dunkin' Donuts and the Starbucks, and they're doing the same thing and more. Dunkin' Donuts, sure, you got your donuts, but you also got your coffee. And America runs on Dunkin', as we all know. Yes. <laughs> and Starbucks, they're, they're, promoting, they're pushing with their, their new baked goods. Uh, and so Krispy Kreme, uh, they're trying, to their credit, they're, they're trying to promote their, their coffee side of the business. You don't go to Krispy Kreme for coffee in the morning. You go to Krispy Kreme because you're, you're craving sugar. I don't see that being a business model that beats Dunkin' Donuts. I don't see that being a business model that beats Starbucks at the end of the day. Again, they're doing okay for right now, but like you said, last year they were doing a lot better. I could see it working if they not only streamlined the menu, but also figured out a way to make the footprint of a lot of their locations a lot smaller. So, in the same way that Starbucks has the drive throughs, if they were just able to create locations that were just, look, we've got these donuts, we've got coffee, that's kind of it from a 
dollar per square foot standpoint, I'm not saying they're going to approach Tiffany or Apple or something like that, but it <laughs> yes. seems like they could they could increase profitability if they did that store concept in some locations. Yeah, but. they just need the the conveyor belt, the the donut conveyor belt, a coffee maker. That's it. Bada boom. It's like the one in Dupont Circle over in uh, over in DC. Have you guys ever been to that one? I've not. I've been Very to the small. one. I've been to the one down Richmond Highway. Here. Well, you're 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 a Boston boy. So you're all Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Uh, I was I was raised in Phoenix. I have a soft spot for Krispy Kreme. No be, Dunkin' Donuts. Be out there. true to your school, man. Right. Be true. right. <laughs> Uh, before we get to our final story, a couple of housekeeping notes. First, it's official. We are looking for interns for the summer of 2015. Woo! Our internship uh, listings are up. We've gotten emails about this. People asking uh, some of our listeners who are in college saying, when are those going to be posted? They're posted now. Go to culture.fool.com. That's culture.fool.com. We're looking for investing interns. We're looking for technology, business intelligence, all kinds. They're all up there. So go to culture.fool.com. Hey, did you guys hear we're the best place to work in America two years in a row? I'm just going <laughs> to, huh. I'm Weird. just saying. Weird how that works. Um, uh, and second thing is uh, we've got some special guests today. Chris Schroeder uh, is here with his son, Ben, who's, uh, I'm just going to say, in, guys. I'm, I'm not going to say whether Ben is skipping school today or not. I'll just leave that. For, not that there's mm-hmm. anything wrong with that's, that. I mean, this we do educate along with the educate. amuse and enrich, right? That's, so that's, that's okay. True. You know what? You know what? He's not getting this education in his classroom. I'm no sure he's going way. to a great school with great teachers, mm-hmm. but hopefully... Uh, just learning a little bit of something that he's not getting right. in school. Right. I'm glad you both are sitting down for what I'm about to say. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yum Brands has cut its profit forecast for the second time this say year. Say it ain't so. Oh, no. no. Yes. The parent company of KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell cutting its forecast because, uh, shocker, uh, things aren't looking so good in China. Hashtag OMG. (laughs) What's going on here, Chris? I I don't get it. I I go back, when I see this, I go back to something you said, Jason, and I think you might have said it a year ago, which is, um, because if you look at a chart of Yum Brand stock over a five-year period, what you see is Five, four, and three, those years, the stock is almost going straight up. Mm-hmm. And then two years ago, December 2012 <laughs> till now, it's basically flat. Yeah. And I think it was about a year ago that you made the point when we were talking about, okay, we're a year out from their poultry scare, and now maybe they can turn things around. And you made the point, maybe they're not going to turn things around, not because of any fault of their own, but simply because consumers in China look at a health food, uh, you know, a, a, a food safety scare and say, you know what, I don't care that your poultry supply is clean or you're claiming it's clean. That's fine. I'm off. I'm done. I'm going to find another place to eat. Yeah. And I think in general, as as we are, are getting more and more options domestically and internationally, as far as where we get our food and where we eat, you know, it, those, those health scares, I think, I think they resonate with us a little bit more. I think you, you start to associate those names in in really with those health scares and they okay look i this is just i'm going to pass this all together and just kind of i'm changing my behavior there are other places to go um and and yeah i mean i think that the more you see these types of supply chain issues i mean the the worse it's going to get and especially when you look at the dependence that that yum brands has when it comes to china 
I mean, they make it's 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 more than half of their sales, or close to half of sales, a little bit less than half of total operating profit. So so Yum Brands, it, a lot of their business hinges on how China does, which is why you see uh, the stock react this way when you talk about headwinds in China. I mean, that's just that's a huge opportunity for them that they're kind of blowing right now. And and so I've seen some talk out there about hey, is this is this maybe the sign that Yum Brands needs to spin off its China operations and kind of become two companies. And I tell you if they do that, then I'm I mean I really feel for the domestic side of that business <laughs> because they like McDonald's as we've we've seen are running into some serious headwinds domestically as as we're changing our behaviors, as we're eating better, um, as we're as we're going other places. So I you know, if they decided to spin that operation off, I certainly wouldn't be looking at the domestic yum opportunity at all because to me Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and KFC just ain't cutting it on any front. Is anyone talking about the idea of spinning off Taco Bell? Because if you spin off uh, that, that seems like if if there is a crown jewel in this business. Certainly, over the last two years, it kind of seems like it's Taco Bell. It could be. I mean, Pizza Hut has certainly uh, had had its fair share of issues, which is why you see this big focus on a rebrand, a revamped menu. With now, I mean, it's some some ungodly number of options as far as like how you want to make your pizza. Pizza Hut, where it's it's almost information overload at that point. Um, but I mean, even if you spun off Taco Bell, I mean, I. I I don't know how many people would actually be interested in that. I mean, because to me, that's that's I, I equate that to McDonald's. And again, domestically speaking, I think these businesses have have all sorts of issues. Uh, you know, I, I really feel for Greg Greg Creed, the incoming CEO um, for for Yum Brands. I mean, I feel like he uh, and Don Thompson with McDonald's need to form like a support group to really kind of figure <laughs> out how to deal with all this stuff because they're coming in at, at a really, I think, a pivotal time in the in the the quick service restaurant industry. I mean, this is just a, a big shift for for quick service into that fast casual space where McDonald's and Taco Bell, you know, all these Yum Brands restaurants, they are really uh, they're they're being forced to change. Quickly, and and their models, which are always based on value and efficiency, uh, are really being challenged by the Chipotle's and Panera's of the world that are focused more on uh, not only value but value to a lesser extent. More so, it's about quality, better ingredients, better options, and consumers are showing more and more and more that they're willing to pay up for that. Mm. But there's also a, a considerable appetite, no pun intended, for the likes of. Jack in the Box and Sonic. I, I think I mentioned this yesterday that those are two stocks. I mean, good luck finding a healthy option on either of those menus. And those two stocks have tripled over the last three years. Right. Now, granted, they're dealing with a smaller store base, right? But a little bit easier for them. Jack in the Box's results really have been about the success of Qdoba. Not Jack in the Box. I mean, you know, new new menu offerings, notwithstanding. I'm sure that'll probably bring in some some additional um, the munchy menu. Yeah, the, Good the reference, the, the target demographic out there on the West Coast. But I mean, I mean, to be fair, Jack in the Box's success has really been more about uh, the success of Qdoba, which you know we we've talked about that before. It seems like Qdoba basically is just taking a page out of Chipotle's book and more or less just copying kind of what they're doing, and that's fine. That's I mean, a smart move. Yeah, you've, <laughs> you've got plenty of imitators out there that that try to that, that uh, you know. Try to try to base their success on sort of the the models that others have already proven out. And so you know, Qdoba as it stands is, is you know continuing to do pretty well with that. Well, there's the answer to the question earlier of whether or not you should spin off Taco Bell or whether or not you should spin off the the Chinese portion of Yum's business. You need the other parts of that business to support what's going on with with China right now at Yum. Uh, the conversation, like you said, has been. Taco Bell, could it be the next Chipotle? Well, no, Chipotle is the next Chipotle, yeah. and Taco Bell is going to be 
Taco Bell, and and that's the that's how it is. That's in people's minds. Taco Bell is a crunchy gordita wrapped in nacho cheese, and that's not what people are looking for right now. Well, and Taco Bell, I think, is also trying to make that sort of uh, effort to to imitate a bit as well with that. Uh, that that sort of specialty taco restaurant that they that they've come up with I can't recall the name which shows how big an impression it's made but (laughs) I mean again I mean I think that when you associate the name I mean I you know I think that Taco Bell is something that just does not elicit quality Mm. it's value and that's all of these guys they they were built on value and scale and so scale is crucial to their success which is why I just don't see uh, you know, a, a spinoff of any kind helping them whatsoever. It's U.S. Taco Company, by the way. Is That's the, is it. The name of it. That's yeah. it. And, and I mean, if you look at the menu and their offerings, minute, wait, it's wait, very wait, interesting. Wait, hold on. They have a high-end or a higher-end oh, yeah. restaurant concept, yeah. and the Shit. name of it is what? U.S. Taco Company. Look at yeah, these. Yeah, and it's like it skull. Delicious. It's like a skull yeah. and crossbones logo oh, or something man. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like one restaurant. You. They're trying to kind of figure okay. out how how successful it can right. be. But again, I think they even recognize that this is really the opportunity. Right. It's not about what they've done to this point about it's about, you know, what's that in front. And I, and I think they've they've seen the success of Chipotle. They've seen what Jack in the Box has done with Qdoba. And they're seeing that they need to pivot and, and take advantage of of that market opportunity as well. Now, now whether that is successful or not remains to be seen, but too at least little, they are too trying. Uh, too little, too late. Yeah. Uh, I just I don't see it. <laughs> Come up with a better name. I mean, U.S. Taco Co. How did that is? You know. All right, Mark Reed, Jason Moser, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>